Welcome to Mark My Words, a podcast that not only aims to inspire and teach the listener about entrepreneurship, it also aims to give my guests an opportunity to talk about their unique journey in entrepreneurship and life. So join me and my guests as we meet at the crossroads on Mark My Words. Mark my words, I have a guest who, although I don't even come close to matching them in actual music ability, that I do actually kind of match them as far as knowledge. Chris Wilson was able to name every record behind me, even the one he wasn't too sure of, he still knew. He didn't mention the 45s, we can talk about that. I, in a I can't quite make them out. Uh, yeah, they're a little blurry there, but uh, yeah, so it's hard to see. Like one of them almost looks like a Bee Gees, but it's hard to, you can't really see the photos are too small. But uh, you're, I guess you're close. They're all ABBA 45. Oh, ABBA, okay. Yeah, I could see like, there's definitely like a guy with a beard going on, but ABBA, yep, okay. That cool. would be yeah, Benny ABBA. Anderson. That ABBA is like my all time favorite band. Which yeah. Is, they, they've been my favorite band for like 40 years. So great band. Yeah. I, yeah. I've got but, the music artwork too. I've got Van Halen. I think there's uh, the who there's Pink Floyd. You can see the who one in the background, the yellow one, this one. It's the quadrophenia cover. Yeah. Well, putting that aside, I'll finish introducing you. Okay. So Chris Wilson, he is an entrepreneur. He is the author of two books. He's a business coach. He's a working guitarist. And he is here to make your life easier. But on top of all of that, probably in my mind, the most significant thing is that he is the founder and director of the Academy of Music and Art, Inc. for a little over 30 years. So Chris Wilson, thank you for being here this morning. Welcome to Mark My Words. How are you doing? Uh, great. I'm glad to be here. Glad. Uh, thanks for having me out. Oh, you're welcome. And thanks again for bringing all this energy and for naming every record behind me. I know they, this setup, this setup, as I point in the wrong direction, this setup gets a lot of attention. So, oh yeah, I I like. I, I like being a show off with my well, record collection. So that's I've a little a bit. I don't know if that's like narcissistic or whatever, but. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, a good cool. conversation piece, kind of like your career and everything that yeah. you have done in your life. So your life revolves all around music and yes. it has for a very long time. And one thing I want to start out with before we really dig into what makes you you was there a time where you thought about doing something other than music or anything theatrical? Yeah, for sure. I mean, as a kid, I, and, and this is in like the early 70s because I'm 55, 
um, I remember wanting to play an instrument and my mom going, oh, you know, that's like too hard. Like it's, you know, my, you know, your uncle Dennis, my brother tried to learn a saxophone and there's too many keys on it. It's really hard. And we'd be watching someone on TV and my mom had this idea. And a lot of people said, yeah, that these people have this special talents or skills to become a musician. And like, you know, our family didn't possess it. You know, we weren't like musicians. And so I kind of had that implanted in me at an early age. I still, at some point, when I was about 12, got a guitar and started working towards it. But I remember sitting down with my high school guidance counselor at the school. I went to, to like a private Catholic boys school, sitting down with the counselor and, you know, talking about the future. You have your career counselor. And I said, I wanted to do something with music. He's like, no, you know, it's, it's really hard. And, you know, there's no money in this. Now, understand that this was a guy making 17000 a year. You know, I, I mean, this wasn't someone who should have been giving me life advice because he didn't have much of a life as far as I could tell. <laughs> so I did actually uh, graduate from high school and uh, try to go to business school for a semester. And I went in the first day, like not even school, but, you know, it's a public university, very great school. I'm going to study business and we're living in these high rise dorms, you know, like a, these 20 story buildings they pack you in. First day, it's not even class. It's like orientation, like you've moved in. The RA, the resident advisor, has us all meet and we kind of do the icebreaker, like everybody meets everybody on the floor. And we're supposed to tell us our name, uh, where we're from, what we're studying, and like what we're into. And as we're going around the room, you know, there's Mike and he's from Morton Grove and he wants to be a bodybuilder, do something with physical fitness, but he's going to be an accountant. And there was Ralph. Ralph was a cool guy. He was from Elmhurst. He was really into martial arts, like he wanted to do something with that. But he was going to become a trader, so he was studying like finance because he in Chicago we have like the mercantile exchange and stuff like that. So he was going to do that, and everybody was doing uh, something they didn't want to do. Like everybody had a dream, everyone had a passion. We were all 18, 19 years old. Everyone had a path, and none of us were doing it. So when it came time to me, I should have said, "Hi, I'm Chris. I'm from Chicago. Uh, I'm studying business, but I'm really into music." Instead, I said, "Hey, I'm Chris." Uh, I'm not going to be here very long because at the end of the semester, I'm moving to Boston to go to Berkeley College of Music. So I'm out of here, you know, because uh, in my mind, as I'm hearing people say this, I'm like, I, you know, I'm just and I'm not one who hears voices, but it's like, you know, we're not doing this. Like, I have to at least try. I have to at least give this a shot. Maybe I fall on my face. Maybe it goes nowhere. Maybe I can't make the cut at Berkeley and they kick me out or I fail all my classes. Um, but I have to at least try And If I don't try. Uh, I'll regret it for the rest of my life. So I, I did my one semester of business school and in January of 1986, got in car, my car with my dad and my brother and drove to Boston. I had applied to Berkeley and, you know, I found the building and went in and uh, I ended up, I mean, I graduated with honors. I got that I was an A student. I, I actually really excelled that. I was like, oh, I really found something I'm good at. So, um, so I did try not to do it. You know, I did try to say, okay, I'm going to do something else. And, uh, you know, even within my own business, that starting the guitar school, which we can talk about, there's been times where you sort of are less doing the music and more doing the business, which is cool. And it's interesting. It's a nice break to, for a couple of years to really, you know, or five years or whatever it is, you're going off and on doing business stuff. But after a while, you're sort of drawn back to the guitars and you're drawn back to the helping people learn music and you're drawn back to playing music. Uh, so it's this like weird magnetic pull that keeps pulling you back in and it you can't really explain it it's just like you're drawn to it it's like you'll never retire you know i met with the retirement advisor because when you retire i was like oh no you, musicians don't retire like when we when we stop playing that's when we die that's why musicians live to be like 95 years old <laughs> you know so that's why keith richards is still alive um, fair enough 
Yeah. So I do. So I did. I did make attempts to to, and sometimes just out of necessity, like okay, I have to concentrate on the business side of things. Uh, but yeah, you just you sort of get drawn back into it over and over again. So your story reminds me a little bit of where I was when I was like 18, 19 years old, because I had a particular, like I pretty much grew up tinkering around with like old black and white TVs and I would like study TV guides and stuff. And I felt very drawn to like the television industry. And I think I kind of like knew that that's what I wanted to do. And when I got old enough to be thinking about college, told my parents like, hey, this is what I want to do. I think these are some of the places I wanted to go. And I kept getting told, no, you should just get a business degree. And actually my dad put it more like, oh, you should get an effing business degree and had yeah. that kind of attitude. Why sure. are you fooling around with all of this? And it kind of like messed me up a little bit as far as like, you know, going forward after high school. And eventually like I did wind up going to the college that they kind of like more or less made me go to. And so local college, it was a good place to go, but I didn't even have my major. It didn't have what I wanted to do. And eventually I just dropped out. And eventually after working in retail for a while, nothing against retail, but I wound up working in like Best Buy and doing some other things and have foray and uh, woodworking. And I think after all that, they kind of changed their tune a little bit and just kind of let me do what I wanted to do. And now like 20 years later, I'm still working in my field. So I guess yeah. I knew what I was doing. <laughs> yeah, well, and I think you, we, it sounds like we both have like well-intentioned parents. Like business school is good because I want my kid to get a job and everything. But if you don't have any passion for something and, and you know, aptitude is one thing. Like you might be good with numbers and, you know, uh, does that mean you should be an accountant? Well, when I talk to my accountants who are great, they're like really into it. They have like passion for accounting. If you're not an accountant, it sounds crazy, but if you can appreciate the passion for it. So I think if you have a passion for something, that's really, that's what you're going to be great at. Cause you're going to do the work, you know, you have to, cause it's the work. Everyone has to do the work. Well, not only do I not have the passion to do anything business or math related, I don't have the ability. Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't even think if I, I'm getting older, so it's harder to remember exactly what I took. I know I had an issue with basic geometry. Sure. And if I did take algebra before college, I think I dropped it pretty fast to do applied math, which I did like two or three years of even though I wound up being college ready in most other cases and wound up going to college, I just, I I was done with math. I'm like, look, I, I'm not good at math. I'm not going to get any better at math. Although I think I did get a little bit better in college because they kind of forced me, but uh, I'm just terrible at math. 
Well, and you know, college has really changed. My daughter just graduated uh, from a major university and she got her degree in education and she didn't have to take a math class. Like they're like, you have to take what they call it quantitative reasoning now. So you have to take something like that, but you don't like algebra is no longer required. Like it used to be everyone had to take college algebra, not required anymore. A lot of places that the modern curriculum is like, you know, we don't really need this. I think I'm going to hop in the, in the DeLorean and go back <laughs> and go to school wherever she's at. Cause well, that's, that's now, awesome. that's present day. That's, you know, she graduated in 2021. So yeah, she went to Illinois, University of Illinois. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm going to go there. <laughs> yeah, it's a great school. Yeah, she really got a great education there. But edu it's just a lot different. I think people have adopted a really much more modern way of thinking about what people need versus, okay, everyone has to take algebra. It's like everyone doesn't have to take the same classes anymore, you know. Wow. That's so that's kind of cool. Yeah. Well, let's get back to you and talk a little sure. bit about the Berkeley College of Music, which sure. yeah. is a pretty prestigious uh, institution. Yeah, yeah what, that was great. Other than like the prestige of it, what inspired you to go in that direction and go there other than the obvious, of course? Yeah. Uh, well, the big thing was, and this is in, in 1980s things, like I'm a guitarist and specifically you can see my amplifiers. I'm an electric guitarist. And so schools have to you have what you declare your principal instrument. I'm a singer. I'm a violinist. I'm a whatever. Guitar is not a common instrument at universities, especially sort of the traditional, you know, your traditional universities. Uh, you know, you, you can't go to Juilliard and electric guitar be your instrument. So uh, there were only a few schools that had like real electric guitar programs. You had Miami, you had Berkeley, you had USC. I don't know if there's any, there weren't many. There's a lot more now, um, you know, and, and Berkeley was kind of where everybody went. Like all the major, you know, jazz players and rock players, it seemed like that was really producing stuff. Uh, in Berkeley as well, you could do whatever you wanted. Like they didn't have like the boundaries of, you have to do this and you have to do this. They're like, you have to be able to, you know, have your basic skills down. But there were no real boundaries as far as what styles of music you played. Uh, it didn't really matter. No one, you know, there wasn't anything like that. So it was a very modern, contemporary uh, thinking school. And I think that's what really drew me to it at the time. It was also uh, the cheapest music school you could go to at, at the time. It's not a now it's very expensive, but it was like totally like completely affordable. Wow. Yeah. So was it considered like the way it's considered now like this yeah year. it was like an elite it was an elite school yeah especially for contemporary for contemporary music I mean, it's the number one place for contemporary music it was the number one place for contemporary music in the 80s and especially for guitar players like you know the major players like particularly in jazz guys you know ld miola john schofield if those names mean anything to people uh went there steve Vai, the guys in dream theater so there was just a lot going on and you know, the Berkeley scene was, it was producing people who went places. Uh, and a lot of it was the emphasis on contemporary music. So when you go to a school like that, is it just purely music focused? Do they teach you like business skills too? Do they have that uh, option? So it's, in, so you take your, they do have like, you take your general education classes, gen ed, so your English, your history, whatever it is, psychology, uh, you have to take all, you know, whatever that, whatever you take at a standard university, you have to take the liberal arts classes, general education classes there. Um, so within, it was, so when I was there, they didn't have, uh, like, I think they they now have a, they merged with another university. So you can actually study proper business classes, 
but they had a class on the music business, but it really just sort of, it wasn't like a business class, like business business. Like when you think of it, like, this is what marketing is. This is what management is. This is what finance is. This is how accounting works. It was not a, it was more just like an overview of how the business works. So you understood like, here's how, you know, this is what a publishing company is. And this is what a record company is. And this is what it meant. So you understood what it was. You didn't know how it worked. You know, you didn't know anything about finance. You didn't know anything like they didn't have anything. And they may have that now, but music business for a lot of places was just like a one semester class that just showed, talked about, you know, you could say, oh, this is what publishing means or this is what mechanicals are. Uh, but you didn't develop like business skills, you know, or you didn't leave knowing something, you know, you just had sort of a cursory knowledge of, you know, you're going to go work in the mailroom, basically, you know, you're not going <laughs> to, you're not going to get a job, you're not going to get a job in a business, you know, doing business. Well, I shouldn't make any assumptions, but knowing the world and the way everything has evolved, I wouldn't be too surprised if, even if it's not at Berkeley, somebody out there is offering additional stuff oh, yeah for sure yeah yeah and i think they do now i think because i know they partnered with harvard they've partnered they have a lot you can go into a law school now so they they have a lot more options uh you know than they had then uh so yeah but still overall cool i mean it was a great experience for me so what what was the end goal by the time you completed your experience there what were you hoping to get out of it? What were you hoping to do with it? Sure. Well, me for me, Berkeley was like, okay, get to the level of like a professional musician, you know, was one. So it's like you, I knew that you have to have like a marketable skill. So if you graduate from business school with a degree in accounting, you want to be able to sit and pass the CPA exam, right? Become a certified public. That's like your ticket. And so you want to be able to go into a job interview and you're going to talk to someone about accounting. They're going to interview you and you can't BS your way through like an interview, right? So you have to hit that professional level. So with music, it was like, okay, you want to be on the professional level. If someone hands you music or wants to hear you play, you have to be able to produce something. If you go in the studio with a band, you can't, you know, the tape is rolling, like you can't BS your way through it. And there's no double talk. It's like now you got to produce. So I think that was the the main thing, like hit that professional level so that I can go out and, and hustle then and sell myself as a musician and, uh, you know, get something going. And so I actually in 1990 moved back to Chicago. And that was sort of the next step in the, the journey. So if I go to Berkeley and I'm an awesome guitarist. I graduate and I want to see the world. I want to be able to go and try out for, let's say we're in 1998, Shania Twain is going on a world tour and she's looking for a guitarist. I want with that background to be able to have the confidence and that backing to try out to give myself a better edge over maybe somebody who is also really good, but maybe didn't go to an actual formal school. Is that yeah. like the kind of edge I'm using maybe a weird example, but yeah, well, I think it's whatever you need to do. Cause some people come up just playing in band. Like if you're talking about Shania, you're talking about the Nashville thing. I don't know if those guys went to school. Nashville is the best musicians in the world. But I think it's like people don't really care what your background is. They care if you can produce. So whatever it is you need to do to get your edge, you, you do. 
So like Brad Paisley, fantastic guitar player. He went to Belmont University. So he's in Nashville. He's incredibly talented, but he's also sort of in the scene, making a reputation for himself while he's a student. Uh, so yeah. And that's yeah, fair. I think everything you do. Yeah, anything you do, because once you get in the room, like they don't care. Shania Twain doesn't care about your background. It's like, this is you either can come up with these guitar parts on the record or you can't. If you're doing live, you can either duplicate the record exactly or you can't. And that's all that really matters. And then do they like being around you and working with you? you I know. guess on one hand, I think I know that already. But on sure. the other hand, I'm trying to like relate it to like yeah. a more, I guess, traditional schooling. Because I guess for me, without A, having college and then going on and doing some of the things I've done, I don't think that I would have been able to continue to up yeah. my level. Who knows? I yeah, could have yeah. just never gone to college and have been like an amazing master control operator. And somehow yeah. it's like, well, we don't care that he never went to college. Right. We'll hire him at like Disney anyway or whatever. So. Right. I'm trying to like relate to that, but I, I do understand that it doesn't, the rules, I think, with a lot of that on that end, on that level, they're a little bit different. Yeah. So, yeah, well, you know, the example I'll give you is maybe computer science people. We hear the stories about these 17 year old kids, right? And you land a job making 250000 a year. It's like, well, because they can actually do the stuff, like they can, whatever it is they need to do. Now, how did they learn how to do that? How are they so far ahead of somebody who, you know, went to college for four years or whatever? Sometimes that happens, but you know, where where you develop having an opportunity to develop the skills and really taking advantage of it. So, like, go, you know, you can go to college and just party and do nothing. That's fine. But if you went and said, "Hey, I'm really going to learn something so I can be at the top of you know top of your game," so if you can learn it all in your house, then maybe you don't need college. You, you know. Um, I, I think it's really hard sometimes to learn a lot of stuff outside of formal education. Like, cause how would, you know, let's say you're, okay, I'm going to join a band. Well, how do you join a band that's, that needs you, that's actually going to teach you that you don't, this, maybe this band just does one thing and you only get good at one thing and it's narrow or any, you know, with computers or anything, it's like learning things, you know, constantly keeping your edge. It, that's, it's not easy. It's really, that's kind of the effort. You know, you're not after four years of college, you're not done. You're just starting. Well, I think in a lot of fields and professional situations, especially today with all the technology we have, it's much easier to kind of bypass having a formal education. Like if you can just send somebody a reel of your skills, whether it is computer programming, graphic arts, or trying out for a world tour if you can show that like that's all that really matters yeah definitely and i think it's access to technology so if you're if you're talking about learning how to run like a tv console well you have to actually be sitting at a tv console to do it right don't you i mean you have to have access to 10 million dollars worth of hardware or whatever it is so i think that's one of the things like at berkeley had recording studios so if you want to learn how to work at mixing boards and tape reel-to-reel tape machines you know, could you maybe get an internship or work for free at a recording studio in New York? I mean, maybe, but if, you know, if you're, if you went to Berkeley, you would at least be trained on how to use stuff. You would at least know something um, that would give you at least like a way in to say, okay, I, I don't know, you know, I know something, I have some skills. 
you know, you just mentioned mixing board. Uh, yeah. Not to dwell on me, because there are a few things I want to ask you, but uh, sure. I know uh, being like a producer was a dream of mine for a while. I obviously didn't go in that direction at all, but sure. that was something that I kind of dreamed about, and I still on my own time, I like kind of tinkering with the sure. sounds and stuff, but yeah, that I think that would have been awesome to... Yeah have the opportunity. I know I did take an audio production class and that was a lot of fun, but sure. I, I would have loved to have uh, dug yeah. into that even more. And I didn't, but I, I like the path I chose, but that would have been fun too. Yeah, great. But putting that aside, I want to go back to 1990. So sure. you head back home and what were you thinking at that point? Is that the point where you where you decided to start your own business? Um, well, I, I graduated from college and I moved back to Chicago. I, I was living in an apartment with my brother Rob. It was Fourth of July weekend, nineteen ninety, and it was um, you know I didn't have a job. I needed to do something to make money, and I didn't want to get a job. So I was like, okay, well I'll start a guitar school, and so I started a guitar school. I I, I uh, it was fourth of july weekend this is before the internet so it was like you couldn't there wasn't there weren't things like online printers so i literally took a sheet of paper like this and i drew business cards on it i made hand-drawn business cards i made a handwritten flyer and went to a store called guitar center and started networking and trying to get guitar students and i started getting students and i think by the end of the first week i had five students and i was like okay so if i can get up to like 20 25 hours a week like I don't have to get a job. This will sustain me during the day. And then at night I can go play in bands and work with songwriters and, and, and work that and sort of do both. But I have something that's generating money where I don't have to be a waiter. I don't have to work in a coffee shop, you know, something like that. I don't have to do a nine to five. Yeah, no, I, I can understand where you're coming from with that. Because, yeah, so I just did it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, for one, at this point, after doing all the things I've done with my career, I know right now I'm kind of like freelancing a bit and holding myself up. But I think my last option and last resort would be to go and or want to go back to working in like retail or doing something sure. a little more traditional. Like I have a passion for what I'm doing. I love what I'm doing. So you're going to do all you can when you yeah. have that passion to make sure yeah. that that is your life as opposed to having to split it with something that you're just not passionate about. Yeah. Well, and um, it's, it's funny. I did a show on my, uh, there's a post on my Facebook channel that just went up today and I was talking to a, another guitarist last week and it was like, when you have to do something, that's when all of a sudden you see these opportunities. The opportunities have always been there, but it's like, okay, I have to do this. I have to get the school going. I have to get clients. I have to start working or I have to get a job. Like, it's like, okay, two options, you know? Uh, so when you have to do something that I think that's when you really do it and say, okay, well, you know, okay, how do I get clients? I was lucky. So my dad owned a company, owns companies. And so I grew up working for him. So like, I already sort of knew how to sell because I watched him sell. 
and I knew about things like direct mail and I knew about things like brochures and I knew this, this is, there were no websites in 1990, right? Like there was no AOL. People don't even remember what AOL is. Um, none of that stuff really existed. So it was like old school marketing. So it was things like flyers and business cards and networking, uh, classified ads, yellow pages became a big thing, but it was like, I just went out and did it and did what I could and then saw the results and then did some more. And then, you know, just like anything, you know, you're, you, you basically do the marketing side of things. So I have two jobs. I'm, I'm a guitar teacher. I'm a guitarist, but I'm also a marketer and a seller. So I'm selling Chris, the guitarist. I'm selling Chris Wilson guitar studio. So uh, was that basically like the birth of what became the Academy yeah. overall? Yeah. It, it, the business took off right away. I had a lot of guitar students and the, by December, the building was like, I was living in this apartment building. They're like, this is a residential building. You can't run a business out of it. You know, so they're like, it's one thing if you have like, you know, like a couple people stopping by or someone picking something up or dropping off, but you're clearly running a business. And so that's a no, no. So I actually rented a space from a record store. Uh, and that was where my office was. And it just sort of grew from there. In 1993, I had my own commercial space and I started shortly thereafter uh, hiring people. And then it became, it sort of evolved. It became Chris Wilson School of Music. We started teaching all the instruments. And then I realized if I really wanted to grow the business, like I needed to take my name off the door. So it became, it was around 2000 that it became uh, the Academy of Music and Art. <laughs> There's the dog barking. Sorry about that. That's okay. Uh, yeah, so it became the Academy of Music and Art, and we started adding. I added an art department. I added summer camps. I added a dance department. I added a theater department. And like every couple of years, I kept adding stuff. So, so can we hit pause? I have, to, I have to go sign for a guitar really quick. Okay, so time right, out. One second. Walk away for a second. He has right. a delivery, and <laughs> while he is sending to that, he told me before we started that he had a delivery for a guitar, and that. The dog might go a little uh, barking nutty when that happens. And it looks like it did not disappoint. That is exactly what happened. And I'm basically just filling the time for the moment here while Chris tends to that. Back. I'm back. He came back in like really amazing time. So yes. I told you I filled the time. That was yeah, that's cool. For the people, so I ordered a guitar, a new guitar yesterday, and so it just arrived. And of course, they say it's going to come between nine and five, and it's during the interview that it comes. You know, what are yeah, the odds I've, of arriving by nine thirty? And you know, so. that's why I didn't really like exchange a lot of pleasantries before we started. I'm like, okay, if I hit record right now and we just go, maybe yeah. we can get through it. And there, no, it, it had to happen. Yeah. Well, now I won't be sitting here for the right. Now I can actually go do something for the rest of the day. So that's kind of cool. So well, that's good. Yeah. So anyway, so you were talking about the evolution and growth of yeah. the Academy. Yeah. And so I just, it, it, it just kept going. It was like, I realized at some point there weren't really limits. Like it didn't just have to be a guitar school. Like it didn't have to be one person giving guitar lessons. I could have a couple guys working for me. It didn't have to just be guitar, it could be piano. It didn't have to be just guitar and piano, it could be all the different instruments. Uh, our clients were all children, so um, we could do children's programs. Well, what about art classes? What about painting classes? And it just sort of became really whatever you, whatever I wanted it to be. 
um yeah actually at one point i looked into like during the day uh the space is really kind of empty during the day it's like okay so could we start daycare we didn't actually we didn't have the zoning for daycare but it was like okay what can i do that's 24 hours a day to really use this space could we rent it out to people at night you know for band rehearsals or whatever so it it became almost like the idea of like limitless opportunities and seeing all the different things you could do within it yeah that's really amazing and I think it's a lesson in sticking with what you have and, you know, just there, once one door opens and once one egg cracks, who knows what else can come of it. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's, um, you know, if you, if you look out into the world, a lot of it is your mental attitude. So if you're looking for like bad things and problems, you'll find them like they're out there. (laughs) But if you look, you know, right next to something uh, that's really negative is probably a positive opportunity. And if you're open to that, you know, you might meet somebody and they present you with an opportunity or you you just don't know. Um, so I think having that real optimistic look of like looking, seeking out uh, opportunities and seeking out solutions, that's what you'll see. And your brain will just sort of naturally seek those things out. And you'll almost sort of ignore the negative things. Um, because your brain is so focused on seeing like the opportunities. Absolutely. I mean, I can agree more just with me doing this podcast. It started as just an idea like, okay, I'm going to start a podcast. Okay. What's it going to be about? What kind of people am I going to have on it? Yeah. And it just kind of grew and grew and grew and hopefully still growing and evolving, but it's come like such a long way, just the way I present and go about it. It has changed a lot, the ideas I have for the future. So just because you have just an idea that seems very like niche and only going in one direction, if you just keep working at it, it can easily just go off and off and off and off. Yeah, I, I just think it's it is just seeing the opportunities are there and having the vision. Uh, you know, it's, once I started hiring employees, yeah, I started hiring people to work for me because it was interesting how much I was back to. I wasn't selling necessarily to the customers trying to get them to sign up for guitar lessons or sign up for some. But now I'm sitting across from someone who works for me trying to sell them on ideas. Hey, look, I we, I want to do this department, and you know, I'd like you to teach these classes. And like, oh, you can't do that. Like, all you hear is like, I can't. I understand this, they understand something very narrow and to find someone who really they believe in you or they believe in your ideas or maybe even they're just open to the idea, you know, of like, like this could actually be something we could actually do something we could make this happen. Uh, I mean that's kind of the other half of the, the deal, you know, when you when you own a business is you're selling your staff on joint and being a part of your business, but also on your vision of like this could be something great and sometimes people don't see beyond what it is they know and they don't want to know beyond what they know. Well, it's been 31 years of this academy. Obviously the world has changed a whole lot. How has, how have things changed for you as far as like how you do business, how you get people to sign up to be a part of it, to work for you. How has all of this changed? You know, it has changed, but it's been gradual, uh, I think. 
when when people first started really talking about the internet and AOL, this was and that for the younger people, that's American online. That's how people used to get on the internet. You know, um, I think it was 1993, 1994 when we started doing internet advertising, and it was American online AOL, and you had a homepage. You know, and so people could go to your homepage and find you and. I think when I did that, it was like, oh, we're going to get this flood of clients from this. And we didn't, like nobody saw my AOL homepage. Um, but I did learn that, oh, people use Yellow Pages. So I learned how to use Yellow Pages. And that was where we got our clients. But I sort of stuck with doing stuff on the internet. And at some point, um, I started putting my name on like um, like bulletin boards online, like musiclessons.org. And so you list all your stuff on there. And none of it ever really produced anything. And I remember producing like a website in the late 90s. And it was like a template website and it looked really bad. Um, but it was, and this was before Google, there was no Google, there were no search engines, so people couldn't find stuff. But when Google and that stuff finally came out, I had been doing online advertising enough where I had an idea of how it worked. Like I knew how to build off a website template. And so when there were updates, I made changes. So at some point, it was like a three-year transition. Yellow Pages just sort of disappeared off the radar. And all of a sudden, everything was about Google and everything was about websites. And it became, uh, you had pay-per-click advertising. Google AdWords came out. I think that was like 2006, 2007, where they were widely used. Uh, all of a sudden, you could start selling things online with a credit card. Like People could punch in their credit card and make a purchase. And you know, in the 90s, that didn't really exist. You couldn't buy something. I know people are like, really? It's like you couldn't sign up online. There were no like softwares. The idea of like a web-based software didn't really exist. Like our scheduling softwares, they mailed you a disk and you put it on your computer and everything was on your computer. So if your computer broke, all your data was lost. So it, it so we just sort of evolved with the evolution of it, knowing that, okay, we need to evolve and whatever that is. And that things change all the time. Uh, you know, Facebook was looking good and now you can't, something happened with tracking on Facebook. You can't track. So now you don't get the geo-targeting or something. So Facebook's less of maybe less effective now or it's more expensive now. Um, so those things change. The one thing that has never changed is the message of talking about what's important to the customer. Like, like that type of thing that when we started talking about this, I, I shared the story of my mom said, you can't learn saxophone because there's, Uncle Dennis tried to learn and there's too many keys and it's too hard. You have to have some special talent. If you go on my website, you know, it'll say guitar lessons for all ages. You don't need any special talents or skills to learn how to play the guitar. That is on every single page. We have a musical. We're doing uh, Little Mermaids, our next kid's musical we're doing. It's like Little Mermaid auditions. Your child does not need any special talents or skills. We're telling them that because that's the message that resonates with them. And that's the thing that sort of maybe held me back a little bit where I was like, oh, I don't know that I could do this. Um, so that hasn't changed. That message of like what's important. Some people call it the value proposition. Some people call it the unique selling proposition. That goes back 100 years or 200 years in marketing. That hasn't changed. And if you have that, the channel you market on, Facebook, Google, Yellow Pages, doesn't matter. You, it's your message that's going to resonate. You're going to put it in front of somebody and they're going to go, oh, really? I thought my kid needed some special talent. That's that's the right place for us. That That's a message that connects. You know, they don't care that I went to Berkeley. They don't care who has a PhD. They care how they're going to feel and how their kids are going to do at the school. So I think that's the thing. And I think that's an awesome message to send out because even if you're not going to become 
the next Jimmy Page or, yeah. you know, yeah. name drop whoever yeah. your favorite yeah. musician might be. Is Eddie Van Halen for you? Yeah. Van Halen, okay. That, yeah, that's, I mean, Eddie, that's Eddie right there in my office. So, oh, yeah. there, sure enough. Classic Eddie, it. yeah. So even if you're not going to become that, you can still build valuable life skills and oh, yeah. you can have fun and form friendships and there's so many other things that you can get out of it. Yeah. And we talk about that, you know, uh, confidence, self-esteem, uh, there's something to be said for showing up every week and working at something. Um, and you know, you, that's one of the things you get from sports, you know, when you go play baseball or football, even if you're not good, uh, and you, you know that, okay, I'm not going to become a professional football player, right? Like one in a 10 million become a professional player, but you're going to be working with a team. You're going to be working together. You're going to learn to depend on others. You're going to show up every week and you're going to do your best. And maybe you're going to win. Maybe you're going to lose. Regardless, you're going to show up and practice that week and you're going to have another game next Saturday. And then it, you know, and sometimes you get the trophy and sometimes you don't, but it's that idea of showing up. And, and I think it's when you don't get the trophy. I think it's when you lose that it's like, okay, we got to like, you know, I hate losing, <laughs> you know? And so, I mean, that's something you could learn. That's something they could bring to people. And I think music is the same thing. It's like, okay, I'm trying to learn this song. And it's like, you can say, I accomplished this. I learned how to play this, you know? And, and it's that, uh, it, you know, it could be anything, but it's just that thing of, you know, and like for me, I'm in, I play in bands. Uh, I noticed the Shania Twain album. I was working with a band and we were learning, man, I feel like a woman. Do you know the song? Absolutely. It's, it's actually a hard song because the rhythms are weird and there's a long section and it's her husband, ex-husband Mutt Lang was a the producer. There's a lot going on. The band I'm working with, we worked on the song off and on for like four or five months and we finally played it a couple weeks ago and we crushed it and the place went nuts. And you could just see the band, like, we were almost a little nervous when we started, like, okay, are we going to screw this up? And, you know, you play that opening line, the audience goes crazy. And when the song is over, it's like, oh, man, we did something. You know, like, this is like we, from beginning to end, got the song and entertained the crowd. And so there was that sense of accomplishment and pride, you know, and, and it's, a, it's a show, we were getting paid. But it was just, I think that was a moment where it's like, oh, yeah, something cool just happened. Yeah, and I know I would have gone nuts just by you guys playing the song to begin with. Oh, and, people are crazy for it. Yeah, love that and, song. As I've kind of pointed out, I am a pretty big Shania fan. So yeah, that, yeah, would, sure. that would have been amazing. But one thing that you said that you tend to remember those disappointments more. Yeah. I had a lot of little moments where I did well real young, you know, playing baseball, basketball. But the thing that I remember the most, that I feel the most, is striking out to end my team's playoff chances. The oh, yeah. Northwest AA Giants so of 1990 yeah. or 89, whatever year that was. And pretty insignificant in the grand scheme of things. It's not like I was... Uh, playing for a state championship, but yeah, that is something that has stuck with me my whole life. Just that disappointment in letting the team down or feeling as if yeah. I let the team down. Well, so, and that's when you show up the next time and try to do better. You say, okay, right. well, I'm, I'm going to do better next time. I'm going to work at this and do better. You know, it's just like, 
you pick yourself up and you say, okay, what can I do that's better? Um, and I, I think that's the thing. It's just, it is that idea of like constantly trying to improve and constantly trying to get better at whatever it is you're doing. Uh, and that could be anything. That's not even music. That's just life. I think that's why people play golf, you know, cause it's like, I mean, you're just, you're trying to have a good game. You know, you're getting outside, you're getting exercise, but anything, it's, it's always the idea that you're working at something and it could be your business too. I mean, there's a reason why, you know, Mark Zuckerberg is still working at Facebook. It can't be the money, man. The guy's got a lot of money. I mean, Warren Buffett, he doesn't need to be working at his age. He hasn't had to work probably since the seventies, but he still shows up every day. It's like, well, why? Well, cause it's fun. Cause it's interesting. It's, you know, he finds it. There's a challenge in there, whatever it is. There's a, but there's a reason why people keep doing stuff. Um, and I think, yeah, it, it is that. Well, let me shift gears just a tiny bit here sure. and ask you when, because the world has changed a lot and sure. the idea of being an entrepreneur, that definition has kind of changed a lot. Was there a point in time where you woke up and you were like, you know, I'm not just like a business owner or founder of this academy. I'm actually like an entrepreneur. I fit this entrepreneurial niche that has boomed so much. Did that happen? Yeah, you know, it's funny. My, my mom actually was the person who sort of pointed that out to me actually years ago. I never really thought about it because so my dad owned companies. Like he started out, you know, and this is 1978-ish, you know, so and I worked for my dad growing up and that's where I learned marketing. And so I worked for him after school and I worked in his office all summer long and things like that. Uh, and I have two brothers and I knew I didn't want to work for my dad and I knew I didn't want to work with my brothers. Like I just knew it wasn't the right thing for me. And so I went off and sort of did my own thing and, uh, and figured it out. And my brothers are still running the, the companies that my dad started. My dad's not with us anymore, but my brothers are there working in the company. And my mom was the one who pointed out, she's, you know, you're like the true entrepreneur. Cause like, you know, you're, your brothers took over the company. They've done a great job, but you're like your dad in that you just said, no, thanks. I'm going to just do my own thing and start my own business. And then it was like, Hey, I'll, and I thought, Oh, I'll just be a guitarist for the rest of my life. You know, I'll just give guitar lessons in my room and I'll work in bands at night. And pff, awesome. And I have friends who still do that. Like they've never, and they're, they're successful. They make a hundred dollars an hour in Los Angeles teaching guitar and they play in bands at night. But that just wasn't enough for me. And I saw this vision for being greater. And it was like, and not overnight, like, you know, like after two years, add something after two years, do some more, do some more, do some more. Um, and so that was sort of that evolution when you look over the course of 10 years was like, oh, I guess I am an entrepreneur. I guess I am creating something. And I never really thought of it because it wasn't this thing where it was like, you know, I was a billionaire overnight. It was this gradual thing that happened really over the course of, whatever it is, almost coming up on 32 years. Uh, it was this gradual thing that I've been living. It's really a product of my life. So, yeah. Well, speaking of evolution, product of your life, I want to ask to kind of round everything out here. When did coaching, business coaching, and being an author come into play for you? Yeah, so uh, there were a few things. I, I was always on like advisory boards and helping people. And, and I was working for an organization called SCORE, which is like a volunteer business coaching thing. And uh, when COVID hit, um, you know, all the businesses were shut down. And so, 
everyone's freaking out and I'm like, all right, we need to get more clients. The teachers didn't want to teach online. It was, it was a real train wreck. And so I'm like, all right, so number one, um, I, I can teach the guitar lessons online. It had been a long time since I taught guitar, but I knew how to do it. I could give lessons in my sleep and I could do it from my music room. And, and so boom. And I got a, a tight knit group of teachers who are going to go with it. Cause a lot of people were like, forget it. You know, this pandemic's going to be over in six weeks or eight weeks. So I'm just sitting at home until then. Uh, obviously it went on for two years. So I started, I said, okay, so I need to get more students. So I started making a list of every possible way I could get students. And I literally got a, it was almost back to like hand-drawing business cards. I just started making a list and then I started typing a list and then uh, it was hard for me to type. So I started speaking the list into my computer into a Google drive. And I was sharing it with a friend of mine and she said, wow, you basically just wrote a book, you know? And I was like, oh, I guess I, I did write a book. And it was, uh, and that book became Marketing During Tough Times, 56 Ways to Market Your Business That Won't Break the Bank. And it was just, it was a product of me trying to figure stuff out. Um, and so I had also been working on this other book that is currently out of print called Music School Reinvention, where it was about everything I did to sort of get my music school going. Uh, and in the process of that, the same friend uh, suggested I attend, uh, it was like an online coaching seminar with her. And it was interesting. It was an interesting insight to like thinking of coaching as a business and getting clients and building an audience. And so that was 2020. So it's been about uh, almost two years. Uh, it evolved into something called the Small Business Startup Club, which is a Facebook group I have um, where I there's daily shows with information on there and people can hire me as a coach or they can buy my book. Uh, and it's it's the idea of taking something, an idea that you have and turning it into a business. So knowing that, okay, I have a skill. I know how to play the guitar. I know how to teach the guitar. Can that become a guitar school? Yes. Can, can you expand that? How do you expand that? Uh, so that was, that's really what it's built around. Uh, wow. Amazing. And you just, you kind of back up everything that you've been talking about today, just keeping that positive attitude Keep yeah evolving keep on trying to grow and yeah i definitely growing as a person well and one of the things it's interesting because the coaching industry is an industry and the real industry this is a, this people might find this amusing the real deal with coaching is it's the coaches who coach coaches that really are successful right like it's really coaching coaching and it's interesting because when i try to talk to the people about business i realize a lot of the people who are coaches really don't have business experience not saying anything bad about anybody but it's like if i'm going to help someone with a business i can say well here's what happened to me i had this 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 and this happened here's my three experiences or four experiences in this area here's how i addressed each one and yeah you know, does that relate to your experience or okay how did i how do you get from an apartment to like a commercial location if you don't have any money well i went to a store and and rented an office by the hour so I didn't have a lease, you know, or whatever, until I had enough clients to do it. So, um, so I know, I, I guess, cause I bootstrapped it, you know, I never went to a bank and like borrowed money to get startup costs. I mean, other than like construction things to build things, you know, I really didn't do a lot of that stuff. And so a lot of the advice I give people is based on things that I've done that are directly, that I directly did. Uh, experiences that I directly had or things that clients and things like that have, that have given me. Well, with all that being said, as we kind of get, unfortunately, to the end of this conversation sure. here, maybe you can tell 
everybody how they can find you online, how they can work with you, how sure. they can maybe find your book. I'll yeah, definitely. So two things. Uh, you can visit my website, chriswilsoncoaching.net. Uh, if you're on Facebook, you can find me at Chris Wilson Coaching or the Small Business Startup Club. It's a public group. Anybody can join it. Uh, you know, you'll see a picture of me on there, Chris Wilson Small Business Startup Club. You can contact me through that. You can join the group and see my videos and content that I post. And if it connects with you, uh, you can reach out and we can talk about working together. Uh, or you can just get the daily free advice. Awesome. Well, yeah. Chris of Academy of Music and Art founder and director, Chris Wilson. Thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedule this morning to chat with me. I really appreciate it. Do you have any parting words or advice to aspiring or current entrepreneurs? Yeah, you know, we, we, we talked about baseball earlier. And, and there was one thing I learned from baseball in, in fourth grade, fifth grade, when I took baseball. Our, the one thing my coach said to me, and he's like, you know what? Sometimes you're going to get a hit and sometimes you're going to strike out, but don't be the kid sitting there with the bat sitting on your shoulder with the called third strike. At least swing the bat, you know, at least take your shot. So if, if you want to do something, at least try. Don't, you know, you don't have to do anything crazy. You don't have to do anything risky, but there, you know, you really only get one shot at life. And I really do think if there's something you want to do, you know, go out and make it happen, go out and pursue it. It, it. That's the one thing. And it doesn't have to be in business. It could be anything you want to do. Uh, you know, take that shot because you'll look back and go, hey, maybe it's successful. Maybe it wasn't, maybe it led you down a different path, but, but taking that action, taking that movement will get you moving in a direction. You'll be moving. That is awesome advice, but also a little painful for me. Because I was yeah. I was the kid who did not swing on the third strike. Right, and it still bothers you. See, I, I wasn't a killer player. I played baseball for a couple of years, but I would swing. You know, I swing and like, you know, sometimes it's just like you close your eyes and swing. You're supposed to like watch the ball and try to hit it. Like if you've got to close your eyes and take the swing or, you know, take the shot, uh, I think it was Michael Jordan said, I missed 100% of the shots I didn't take. So, well, yeah. I still think that that pitch was a ball 32, yeah. 33 years later. Yeah, what are you going to do? Well, and what was the umpire? You're nine years old and like the umpire is what? Like 13 or something, right? I mean, it's just, you know. No, I think he was a little older than that. I don't know if he was like. He wasn't a professional. Um, you know, he was just oh, yeah. some guy. Some some local guy who gets to be in an umpire shirt, right? <laughs> so some someone's weird uncle who's like who likes sports, right? So hopefully not too weird, but hopefully not too weird. But yeah, you never know. Uh, but the, those are the things. And when that happens, I think if 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 you are the kid sitting there with the bat on the shoulder, that's not who you are for the rest of your life. You know, you can you can change your story. You can change your narrative on the spot. I went from business student to professional musician like that quick where it's like, Hey, I'm not doing this, you know, goodbye, Northern Illinois university. Hello, Boston. I know I haven't been, I had not been there or whatever, but it was just like, I'm just going to go do it. You know? So if, you know, if you are the kid with the bat on the shoulder and you get called third strike, um, that doesn't, that's not who you are for the rest of your life that, you know, don't let that one moment define you. And right, if I will let that moment define me, I would not have even started 
this podcast, yeah. among totally. other things. And to yeah. your point, to, you know, even though I had a technical background, it's not like I ever got behind a mic and did something like this. But yeah. I just said, you know what? I have an idea. I think it's a good one. I'm just going to go do it. And yeah. And you're getting better at it, right? How many yeah. shows have you done? I haven't counted directly, but it's over Ballpark. 60. Yeah. So look at your first one and look at today and you'll go, wow, I was so bad. I'm so much better. Uh, when I look at my first videos, they're like so bad. And I'm like, hi, this is Chris Wilson. <laughs> My friend who, who got me into the whole coaching thing was like, you know, you should really talk like yourself. <laughs> I, like, I, I can tell just in 2022, as opposed to, like, I thought last year I had a real good year with this show. The first year I was just like feeling it out, inviting a lot of entrepreneurs I already yeah. knew to kind of get a feel. So I wasn't really sure. I knew I liked doing it. And then last year, I had a real good time for the most part with it. This yeah. year, I just, it feels so natural. Yeah. And I feel so yeah. good with it. And yeah, you just get better at it, yeah. you know? And so it's like, yeah, you just keep doing it, right? It doesn't happen over. You're not going to be a great broadcaster or great anything in a year or two years. It's time and it's working at it. And, and having that passion, I think, that keeps you going. Well, unfortunately, we're not going to keep going with this episode. Yes, I know. I know we're out of time. We're at that one hour mark. So. <laughs> as, as much fun as it's been, I could probably go another hour. But yeah. I we already know where to find Chris. Yeah. You can find me on LinkedIn at just M-A-R-C, Mark Schmidt. I love posting about entrepreneurship and podcasting and I always encourage everybody to join that conversation. You can find me on Instagram at markmywords6. Also, if you want to just see what I'm doing personally, it's Nimrod79. That's a tribute to Green Day, one of my all-time favorite bands. And oh, yeah? Great yes, band. That Nimrod handle, you can find me on Twitter, Nimrod1979, Nimrod sending on on Instagram and you can connect with me in a lot of places on social media. And again, thank you to Chris Wilson for being Thanks here. Thanks for having today. me. I am Mark Schmidt. This is Mark My Words and I'll be back very soon with another great guest. Thanks and bye for now. Thanks again for taking time out of your busy day to listen to Mark My Words. If you would like to connect with me beyond the show, you can find me on LinkedIn at Mark Schmidt, where I will be talking about entrepreneurship, careers, and anything else that is on my mind. You can also connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at Nimrod1979 and Nimrod sending on respectively. This podcast also has a page on Instagram at Mark My Words. And finally, if you want to leave me a voicemail or check out what I'm up to with the podcast, come find me at podpage.com slash mark dash my dash words. 
Thanks again for listening, and I'll be back with a new episode soon. Bye for now. Bye.